The Applicant by Sylvia Plath First, are you our sort of a person? Do you wear a glass eye, false teeth, or a crutch? A brace or a hook? Rubber breasts or a rubber crotch? Stitches to show something's missing? No, no, then how can we give you a thing? Stop crying. Open your hand. Empty? Empty. Here is a hand. To fill it and willing to bring teacups and roll away headaches and do whatever you tell it. Will you marry it? It is guaranteed to thumb shut your eyes at the end and dissolve of sorrow. We make new stock from the salt. I notice you are stark naked. How about this suit? Black and stiff, but not a bad fit. Will you marry it? It is waterproof, shatterproof, proof against fire and bombs through the roof. Believe me, they'll bury you in it. Now your head, excuse me, is empty. I have the ticket for that. Come here, sweetie, out of the closet. Well, what do you think of that? Naked as paper to start. But in 25 years, she'll be silver. In 50, gold. A living doll everywhere you look. It can sew, it can cook. It can talk, talk, talk. It works, there is nothing wrong with it. You have a hole, it's a poultice. You have an eye, it's an image. My boy, it's your last resort. Will you marry it, marry it, marry it? Hi, um, you have reached the Astro Poets <laughs> podcast. I'm Dorothea. Are we really doing that? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Alex. And I'm Dorothea. And this is the Astro Poets podcast. It is. And you just heard a poem by Sylvia Plath, who's a Scorpio, and it's about Ted Hughes, who is a Leo. Ted Hughes was her husband. Yeah, and we chose this poem today because we're going to be talking about all kinds of matches in the Zodiac. Um, Good matches, great matches, best matches. But in the case of these two people, Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes, they are what you consider one of the worst matches. Leo Scorpio. Leo Scorpio, yeah. Sylvia Plath Scorpio, Ted Hughes Leo. Um, It just is a dangerous situation from start to finish. It's so bad. I mean, it's just like... You have that sort of Leo vanity, you know, married to that Scorpio obsessive tendency, and it's a mess. So first, we're going to talk a little bit about the poem by Sylvia Plath, and then we're going to talk about um, the relationship between Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes. Um, and then we're going to talk about some great and not-so-great matches in the Zodiac. Um, finally, we'll introduce a new segment, which we're really excited about, called Dorothea and Alex Disagree, where we pick a topic and debate it and hash it out and get really angry and get into a big fight on the air. Just kidding. Not really a fight, just a discussion. Healthy discussion. Can't wait for you to hear it.
you know, we brought in, we could have really brought in so many poems by Sylvia Plath to talk about, you know, why her relationship with Ted Hughes may have not uh, worked out because so much of her later work is about his betrayal and that that sort of um, thing and how she was brokenhearted. But we brought in this particular poem because we thought it would um, be interesting to think about that dynamic. So I don't know, um, you know, with this poem, it seems like this persona, we can't ever assume, you know, the person speaking in a poem is the poet themselves. They have a persona. But this persona feels like they're um, feeling a lot of anxiety about um, going into maybe a kind of heteronormative marriage, right? And presumably maybe with with this Leo, they're, um, they're sort of trying to sell themselves. Like, you know, what do I have to do to um, configure myself to make you really, really love me and want to marry me and want to commit to me forever? Yeah, absolutely. I think also with like a Leo Scorpio, both people are artists like, you know, Mm -hmm. Ted Hughes and Sylvia Plath. And obviously she's a woman. There's this great anxiety that she won't get to do what she loves. And Leos are always going to do what they love. They're always going to put sort of their, you know, attention and ambition. um, They're always going to put their attention on their ambition. And I think in this poem, you can sort of really tell, like you said, Plath's anxiety of, is this the right person? What kind of person are you? What kind of person will I be, the persona I in this poem, if we if we do end up together? Yeah, and th- here's this Scorpio poet who's wanting to have a career, but she's um, you know very clear that she's going to have to mold herself into what this Leo wants. You know, so there's some anxiety there. I might say also that he's British. Not, I don't know if that's that's important. pretty important. It's pretty important because you know she's what one of our quintessential like American poets of a certain time, and she spent a lot of time in England, like moved there, and you know I don't know if that's, she moved there for him. She moved there for him, and. So, you know, that affected her work and maybe affected some reception of her work during her time. And um, it's just like an interesting facet that maybe there was some conflict there. Um, But the biggest source of the conflict, obviously, was Leo Scorpio. (laughs) That is, you know, who cares about where, (laughs) what countries they're living in. If you're Leo Scorpio, you're fucked. I mean, that's like really (laughs) not going to work out. And and it's very, very, very common. A Leo, um, you know, is, you know, someone in a relationship that's always going to need a lot of attention, a lot of ego boosting. Um, and, you know, we don't necessarily know, but for all intents and purposes, we might assume that Sylvia Plath being a very loyal and loving Scorpio um, would have maybe been that for Ted Hughes, but then there would have been all these reverberations that happened. Ted Hughes was very unfaithful. They were in a monogamous relationship, and Leos can be very unfaithful. Sorry to all you Leos, but, uh, you know, as but long as you're being be unfaithful, they, they they can be loyal to their friends and I guess I think of it like if their needs are met they can be loyal which is true for like a lot of fire signs yeah. but if they're not which they wouldn't be by a Scorpio they're gonna cheat you know and by the way if any Leo's wanting to cheat out there we're available just kidding <laughs> um, but <laughs> I would love to cheat with a Leo or a Scorpio well that's the other thing if anyone's listening I mean <laughs> a faithful Sagittarius doesn't exist yeah but, um, but well, you, you all have, already knew that you have your own definition of faith that's very true <laughs> yeah yeah but um but then yeah like a scorpio is someone that we tend to think sadly will stay with a cheating partner um you know but it will affect them greatly i don't want to mention any other celebrity things um to call out any 
people who may be uh, spouses of presidents or anything like that. But Leo Scorpio is just very common. And sadly, the Scorpio takes the brunt of all that energy. I think it's very strange because Scorpios have this reputation of being with multiple partners, uh, sleeping with a lot of people, having a lot of lovers. It's really not true a lot of the times. Scorpios are very faithful. Oh, God. Yeah. A Scorpio is is really going to stick around and stay with the person if they have decided that that person is their soulmate. You cannot get a Scorpio to deviate from that, you know, one singular instinct. They are going to do it with like a lot of happiness to be really devoted. But sadly, that can, you know, work and not in their favor if their partner is kind of a big jerk. You know what's really funny to me that you chose this poem is that when I was really young, now that I'm like 64, (laughs) but when I was like a teenager, Saturn Return, (laughs) I know. When I was like maybe 18 or 19, I remember reading that line... what is it? Oh, come here, sweetie, out of the closet. Yeah. Hello. How many gay people came out reading that line of Sylvia Plath? Yes, it's so good. You know, what's funny is like, I love that too. Um, but I love, uh, I love the uh, nakedest paper to start. Oh, that's like, lovely. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's not as like, yeah, it's not pure. as exciting. But I always think about that, like when you're about to write a poem and it's like naked and, yeah. you know, on a piece of paper and then you change it. But she's, she isn't given enough credit for, I think, think her her like her lines are so precise so precise well you know They're how like i bullets. feel yeah. I, mean, I, I mean she's I, your favorite poet she really has always been my favorite poet yeah I, I still don't think there's anybody better than her So this episode, you know, is thinking about best and worst matches of the Zodiac. I know we already said it, but um, we're going to talk about some themes of what makes a good match. You know, what sort of makes people's temperaments work together. And And what makes people and what's a bad match. Yeah, what's a bad match. And there are some kind of not laws or rules because we hate laws and rules, but sort of, you know. Yeah, we're poets. Yeah, yeah, poets and fire signs. But there are some ways that you can figure out if signs are going to get along that does have to do with the zodiac so we'll sort of tell you some of that and we'll talk about some bad matches and then we'll end on a high note and talk about some positive matches yeah yeah i don't have any personal positive matches but i'm hopeful that other people have found <laughs> ways to i guess stay together yeah. i mean you're married for a very long time so maybe you can tell us about that but i think you know what another bad match i think about that i think is really hot the bad thing about bad matches and me is that i think they're hot that probably tells you a lot about me but Uh, But let's start with one that I think about a lot, Libra Aries. And the people I want to talk about with this match are the two poets, Arthur Rimbaud, who's a Libra, and Paul Verlaine and Aries. You might know Arthur Rimbaud from his famous um, poem, The Drunken Boat. He also wrote A Season in Hell. I mean, I have an obsession with Libra, so I've always been obsessed with Rimbaud. But, like, Rimbaud basically writes a love letter to Verlaine and tells him how much he loves his poems and that he needs a patron. And Verlaine, Aries, writes back and gives him ticket fare to Paris. Yeah. This is such an Aries thing to do. It's I so impulsive. Yeah, yeah, you would do that. Yeah, of course I'd do He's that. He's like yeah. this hot young man. Meanwhile, Verlaine is married. He his he's about to have a kid with his wife, and he still gives him like this ticket to Paris. And totally. is like, come meet me. Totally, I'd, I've already done it. I mean, I'm I know doing me it too. now. In the I past. have done that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then he goes to Paris, 
and he lives with Verlaine and his ma- and his pregnant wife. And basically, they start fucking. And like you know, Verlaine is like twenty seven, and his wife's like, "What's going on? Why are you like literally having sex with like this dude?" And they run away to Europe. Um, and anyhow, the reason why it's a really bad match is because their temperaments are both just like really. They're loud people. They're yeah. like explosive people. At some point, Verlaine bought a shotgun and shot him in the arm after Verlaine said he was going to go back to Paris. And Verlaine is the Libra. No, Ver- the, the, Verlaine the, is the, the Aries. Aries. Oh. Of course, an Aries would shoot you in the arm because uh-huh. they don't want you to leave. I think a Libra would shoot you too, just to be honest. What's going <laughs> to cause a lot of, you know, we're not in any way promoting uh, violence. Okay, we'll not strike that from the record. But yeah. I think in a Libra Aries, what makes that kind of a best and worst match. It makes a lot of sense with the Zodiac because they are diametrically opposed. They're like opposing compliments. So they're both cardinal signs, which means that they're like the leaders of the Zodiac, but then they're complementary elements. So, um, you know, uh, the Aries is a cardinal fire and the Libra is a um, cardinal air. And so they're like everything that one has, the other doesn't have and vice versa. So they're going to be so attracted to each other. It'd be immediate. They need to be together and then it's not going to end well. It's going to end with somebody trying to kill the other person. It really did sort of end like that. Yeah, and that's, but but I just think that's so romantic. Yeah. I mean, it's just like so hot. It's better than like two you know Earth signs. It's better than like Taurus Capricorn, mm. which that's an amazing match. But I often think, how <laughs> boring is it to be in an all Earth sign? match. But Capricorn can get into the same thing because Capricorn has its opposite, you know, complement in Cancer. So they could be, you know, flying to Paris too. It's just, they probably wouldn't fly to Paris. They'd probably sit in a minivan and fight or something, (laughs) but fight over who's going to do the taxes. Capricorns in minivans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, thinking about best, worst matches, I have another kind of literary, you know, best, worst match. It's confusing because um, a poet that I know we both love is Gertrude Stein. I love Gertrude Stein. Aquarius. He's such a genius. When I think of Aquarius, I think of the word genius, and then I immediately think of Justin Timberlake, and then I think of Gertrude Stein. Those, you know, those things are just always kind of swirling in my mind. I think of Oprah and uh, Virginia Woolf. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Gertrude Stein, um, we love her so much. We do. Yeah, an Aquarius. And she, her longtime partner was Alice B. Tokolis, who was like this very wonderful, beautiful soul. Um, They got along so so well, they really inspired each other. They had like a salon, you know. They had where a lot of dogs. They had so many dogs. So lesbian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh so God. many dogs, and they had this wonderful salon. They supported all these artists. Um, you know, Gertrude Stein had like, uh, you know, all her friends who were. She was friends with Picasso, a wonderful Scorpio, and they had all this fun. And Alice B. Toklas was cool with it. Um, I don't think they had sex. I don't really what know. What was her sign? Um, well, hold on, I'm oh, waiting okay. to tell you, <laughs> but. They then also, you know, um, Gertrude Stein was really good friends with Ernest Hemingway. Yes. He's a cancer. And she used to, he used to bring Ernest Hemingway, like, to their house, and he'd sleep over. They, she just thought he was so adorable. And, oh, my God. And I know I would have felt that way, too. I know I would have, too. But anyway, the whole moral of the story is Alice B. Tokas was a Taurus. So they were Aquarius, Weird. Taurus. And that really should not work. Yeah. And why that shouldn't work is they're both fixed signs. Um, so, you know, in the way we brought in the Leo Scorpio 
thing. Those don't work. They're both Leo, Scorpio, both fixed signs. And they're, um, you know, Scorpio is a water sign, a Leo is a fire sign. So those are elements that really, if you think about the essence of those elements, you're either going to get steam or evaporation or just like some New York in the summer is that. So that's not compatible. Right. And then, you know, um, Alice B. Toklas being a fixed earth sign and a Taurus and Gertrude Stein's a fixed air sign earth and air like what are you going to get like dust in your face you know what I mean it's like that's not it worked for them well yeah that's the thing is that they're kind of a great example they had a lifelong love they were so happy but yet the zodiac you know um, might tell you oh it doesn't really work so I guess they're they're a good antidote to some of um, the laws of the zodiac they work even though they're maybe not supposed to yeah well I think like lesbians escape so many laws of the zodiac (laughs) any sign that you put in front of like a lesbian she's just gonna make work out that i think that's because women um are really great at you know making things work out and men are really great at like shooting people in the arm like yeah. Berlin. Yeah. yeah yeah but i think, shooting I think that's people, our theme yeah oof, i was gonna say it's hot but i'm just gonna stay away from that okay yeah so i guess one bad match that i always think of um because i think of myself is sagittarius <laughs> and virgo And I know that it's worked out. I mean, I know Beyonce and Jay-Z, and we'll get to that later. But I remember one time when a double Virgo from Minneapolis bought me a plane ticket to go see him for, like, a weekend because he was so obsessed with me. And I didn't know whether or not I should go um, because he bought it, like, in the middle of winter. He talked to me about it every day for two weeks after, like, are you going to come see me? Are you going to come see me? And as a Sagittarius, I was so excited that first instance— but then you just kept talking about it. And I remember asking you like the day before, should I get on this plane? And of course I said, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just like the story you told about an Aries and a Libra in the past. You know, if some guy buys you a plane ticket, go. I mean, But that I was would. to Paris. This that was, was to Minneapolis. But I mean, I'm a big fan of Minneapolis. I just want to have a shout out. You know, I'm really, yeah. <laughs> All the Minneapolis listeners, you can buy me any ticket. Of course, I hate to fly. So <laughs> please get me a train and I'll be right there. Get, get her a yeah. cab. You did tell me to go. Yeah, I did tell you to go. I didn't yeah. listen to you, and I definitely disappointed the Virgo. Like, you never listen to me. I mean, I do. I actually always <laughs> listen to you. But th- th- the point is that um, if you're an earth sign trying to get a fire sign, just be careful because the thing that earth signs do, Taurus, Capricorn, Virgo— is suffocate fire signs. Mm. So, you know, you know, a Leo, Sagittarius, and Aries really wants to be bought a plane ticket. But you can't keep talking about it because then we feel like we're bound. Yeah, we feel like there's already a commitment. And I think that Virgo, you know, he was driven. He wanted you physically there. He wanted to possess you. He wanted some very intense shit to go down <laughs> that could only be that could only happen when one gets a plane ticket and physically comes there. Yeah. But for us as fire signs, part of the seduction is in our imagination. Absolutely. So it's like, yeah, just talking about that, you know, how you're going to get there is not very interesting. We want to be talking about what you're going to do after you get there. We just want to get Get there really fast. Yeah, that's exactly. the other thing. If you want to get to yes. a fire sign, yeah. get them there in five minutes. I mean, really, just like put me in a cab, tell me where to go, yeah. have your clothes off when I come in. Just like the earth signs are just so into this long extended romance. Yeah. This is not a Jane Austen novel, everybody. <laughs> I don't have time, right? What sign is Jane Austen? Do we? Uh, yeah. yeah, Jane Austen is a Libra. No, a Sag with a Libra moon. Oh, God, like Emily Dickinson. Like Emily Dickinson. And like... And Hera. Yeah, Yeah. like your daughter. Yeah. 
We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about best and worst matches in the Zodiac. Stay tuned. We're back from the break, and we are talking about best and worst matches in the Zodiac. So, you know, you're probably listening to this podcast, and you're wondering, hey, are we going to only hear about these bad, you know, relationships? Like, where's some good stuff in the Zodiac? So we want to sort of share with you some, again, not rules or laws, but just some general thing if you're thinking about what makes a good match, you know, Mm -hmm. what you can look for. And one of the greatest things that is part of the laws of and magic of the Zodiac, as we would say, is this idea of sextile signs. Sextile is a word that's used to describe signs that are two away in the zodiac. So, you know, there's, if I could, you could see my finger right now, you'd see I'm drawing a karmic wheel. And so all the signs fall after each other. Um, but then, you know, there's signs that fall two away. So, um, so every sign has two signs that they're sextile with. I'm an Aries, so my two sextile signs are Aquarius, because they're two away, and also Gemini. And so, um, you know, you know, think about your sign and think about what you're sextile with. And those will be two signs that really, really are good matches for you. They're, they usually mean that you have a very strong bond and friendship, which is, is, you know, even though people say it isn't, is a good foundation for something working out in a relationship, usually. I mean, I'm into I it. I mean, let's hope. Yeah. yeah. And then also, you know, there's an attraction. There's just some way that you feed off of each other because... Because they are elements that get along with each other. Like I'm a fire sign, and my sextile signs are air signs, and yours what are too. What am I, too. Libra? Libra and Aquarius. Aquarius. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you're, oh wow, I've dated both of those. Exactly. And if you're, and you love Libras, I yeah. do. And love if, Libras. And if you are, for example, if you're listening right now and you're a Taurus, your sextile signs are Cancer, Pisces, for example. So you're an Earth sign, and so you know water signs get along well with you. Mm-hmm. And so you know, there's so many examples in the history books and the literary books or whatever of really great sextile relationships because they're everywhere. Um, Usually things with staying power are sextile. Yeah, the one that's sort of, the one that I'm thinking about now is um, Virginia Woolf, who's yeah. an Aquarius, mm-hmm. and Leonard Woolf, who is a Sagittarius. Exactly. So they were sextile, and they got along great through a lot of different yeah. hardships. It's say. actually really surprising, mm-hmm. because as a Sagittarius, Leonard let her have all of these affairs with women, and like, you know... He didn't care, whatever. He didn't care, yeah. Cool, he put up cool. with her moods. He started a press to publish her, and he mm-hmm. published T.S. Eliot and a bunch of other people mm-hmm. that, like, you know, we read now. So it's kind of amazing that that worked out because I never think a Sagittarius is willing to play, like, second fiddle to anybody. Mm-hmm. But clearly. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean. no comment. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, and you know, another another example we were thinking of is Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne, which yes. is another Sag, you know, our Sag kind of thematic thing. You know, What's what, Sharon? Sharon is a Libra, and Ozzy Osbourne is a Sag. And I don't know if you ever watched this show. It was on a million years ago. What was it called? I the was Os- obsessed. The Osbournes on oh, MTV? I was going to call it The Osbournes Take It Home, which is not the name of it. <laughs> the Osbournes, I guess. That's, yeah, that made sense. And I was 
obsessed with it. It was so good. But when you watch that, there was another example of a Sag kind of taking second fiddle. I mean, I don't want to say anything with the Sag energy here, but I think Sag a lot of times will kind of be subservient. Well, they're immutable signs. So I think the thing that really appeals to us about Libras and Aries Mm -hmm. is that they're a cardinal sign. They take charge. A Sag is always going to pretend like they want to take charge, but what they really want is to do whatever they want and someone else to make decisions that allow them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so those are, you know, good examples of that. And, we, you know, we could think of others. But well, another, you know, way to think of good matches, which is really easy to understand, are signs that are in your element. So, again, we're talking about us. Fire signs, we're a great match. We're Aries, Sagittarius. But, you know, you can look at, um, you know, different signs. Like I know Cancer Scorpio. What's like a Cancer Scorpio you were talking about yesterday? Oh, um, God, yeah. I mean, a classic, well, this did not end mm. well. But um, Ariana Grande and um, Pete Davidson. Yeah, Ariana I was going to say and, Pete Donaldson. Yeah. That's what I was like, I hope they Ariana yeah. and Pete Davidson. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to know a lot about I think Ariana. the thing about Cancer Scorpio is that it gets hot really fast. I mean, mm-hmm. Ariana and Pete got engaged like in a matter of days, weeks, and then constant posting on Instagram of like, you know, their selfies being together. And it just, you know, fizzled out. Um, who knows why? Which is water signs have a hard time because they are always feeling things and they might feel things. And, you know, so, yeah. And then what's some other ones that we thought of that were really good, like within your element? You know, like, for example, Capricorn Taurus. You mentioned Capricorn that. Taurus. I mean, Elvis and Priscilla. Yeah, Elvis and Priscilla. Well, that, Capricorn Taurus is just the best match yeah. in the Zodiac, I would say. The best, also the most boring match. The best match uh, if you want your Capricorn uh partner to cheat on you, which they totally both did. But Capricorns are going to cheat on you. I mean, don't expect a Capricorn to be faithful. No, we're going to make all the Capricorns (laughs) mad. But we have to share this truth with everybody. Capricorns literally will cheat on you. The thing about them, too, is that they're really good about covering up that they've cheated on you because they're earth signs. You won't necessarily know. They're savvy. You know what? And to be honest, I'll live in ignorance. I mean, if a Capricorn wants to, you know, call me, get me a ticket to Minneapolis, I don't care. I'll look the other way. I definitely will not. I will fight them for sure. Yeah. Another thing that people ask us all the time is, can you date your same sign? Will it work out? I mean, the short answer is yes and no. It depends. It depends on the sign. It does. And so, okay, think about it this way. Madonna and Sean Penn, two Leos. Madonna was born on August 16th. Sean Penn's born on August 15th. How crazy is that? Of course, because Madonna's such a Leo, she asks to have her wedding on her birthday. So you know this is already going to not end well. (laughs) I mean, who has a wedding on their birthday? Yeah. And, you know, I guess they were married for some years, but that really exploded. He would get so mad when they would get photographed. Um you know, by the paparazzi that he would, like, punch them. It's, I guess, yeah, and that's, you know, the question is, do signs go together? It depends on the temperament of the signs. Just remembering your, remember that you are doubling the energy of your signs. So with Leo, they're so explosive, they're so passionate. They love the camera. Yeah, that can just be a lot, you know, but if you have two Pisces, that's a terrible idea, but (laughs) um, you know, at least that you're kind of just wandering off in separate directions. That seems like maybe preferable to um, to the two Leos. I would say if you have to date the same sign, I agree. Two Pisces is better than two Leos. Two Aquarians is interesting. Two Scorpios, they're always going to gravitate toward one another. Absolutely won't work out. 
Uh, well, it'll work out because they'll both kind of just sit there. Um, but it's not going to work out. They're not going to be truly happy. I mean, they're going to cheat on each other, don't you um, think? I don't know that they're going to cheat. They they definitely will just bore each other to death. <laughs> but I think if you're two signs, you're, you know, I think that cancer on cancer, if you're dealing with the two signs together, actually, although I think it's unfair that cancers are taking themselves out of the pool by, you know, populating well, with each other. Well, that's obsessed with Yeah, them. I mean, I think that cancers should be distributed as evenly as possible, which means all to me. But if you, <laughs> yeah, but I if you feel that way about Pisces. Yeah, but if you're gonna go, you know, same signs, then I think Cancer and Cancer they do end up really getting along. I mean, it's I don't know what they're doing in there, but like cooking, they're, probably. Yeah, they're doing something, not and having sex. I I think they're probably having a lot of sex. Oh wow! I think Cancers have a lot of sex. I mean, I don't know, Cancers out there, you can't tell us, but I'm just saying, Cancers are very sexual I think <laughs> uh, so. well that's funny because like the two long term cancers I've been with they have not felt that way well, cancers I- are withholding the thing is with a cancer match you really have to match well with the cancer yeah. because they're withholding signs mm-hmm. and if they really want to manipulate you they're going to withhold their affection but dangle yeah. it in front of you yeah that's probably true Yeah. Um, but I think with two cancers they don't have to withhold anything because they're just mushing together in one big pillow of wet newspaper or whatever they are. (laughs) I'm into it. Yeah. (laughs) Buy me a ticket to Minneapolis if you're a cancer on cancer, please. I think that one of the key tools for a really good match other than sextiles is to always look at your moon sign because your moon is basically like the distillation of who you are when nobody's looking in private, who you really are. And so it really matters, I think, if your moon signs are compatible. For example, I'm a Pisces moon. Dottie is a Scorpio moon. That's a very compatible match, mm-hmm. technically. Well, we're very compatible. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not sleeping together. But yeah, what, no, no, nobody get any idea. What other moon signs do you think are compatible? Well, it, I think that the moon signs definitely all the laws that we're talking about, you know, apply. So that's that's a thing to think about, you know, when you're like, is this a good match for me? Even if you're trying, like you're saying, same element. You know, there's all these things working. Definitely, I think just to reiterate what you're saying, look at the moon sign because the same laws apply. But it's going to be even more intense. So, you know, if you're Capricorn Taurus, but your moons are, you know, Aries and Cancer, you might be in for some rude awakenings. You know, things might not actually work out. And that's the thing. All these matches that worked or didn't work for through history, we don't know a lot of their moon signs. You know, we don't have all their charts on the ready. So That's true. We don't have their time of birth. So we can't necessarily If your moon it. sign is within the same element, you will really feel a strong connection and probably there's a good chance for longevity. Yeah. We're also going to do a full episode all about moon signs and the moon, so stay tuned for that. So things to remember are, you know, picking signs that are the same element as you is always going to work. That's called being trined. You also can find sextile signs, and also you should look for your opposite complement sign that you are diametrically opposed to. That's probably going to be at least something to write at a poem. At least hot sex. At least something to write a poem about, yeah. for sure. So we're introducing a new segment on this show called 
Alex and Dorothea disagree. Um, and so we're going to pick a topic and then we're going to just disagree freely, I guess. Um, so, we disagree a lot, actually. Yeah, we disagree a lot. You know, and that's that's very healthy, I think. I think it's good to disagree. Yeah, I like Especially dis- since we're not married. Yeah. Well, I like disagreeing with everyone. Me too. Yeah, because then it shows you what you think. If you have to defend it, then maybe you don't actually think it. And I don't even think most of the things that I say. So. Yeah. I'm not even sure I mean what I'm about to say. <laughs> But our first topic yes. is going to be the poet Sappho, the ancient Greek poet Sappho, who has been translated by people like Anne Carson, who's also a poet, and who you might have read in your English classes, mm-hmm. I don't know, in high school and college. And we don't know anything about her. We don't know her birth time. We don't know. Um, I don't even know where she was born, technically. The island of Lesbos. Oh, right. Didn't so she, she just live there, though? Um, yeah. So, so this is like, I think she was born there. Um, well, uh, so we really don't know much about her yeah, other than the fact that... People really don't know much about her, but that is where the word kind of lesbian, there's an origination with that. Yeah, and I think that the fascinating thing about Sappho, right, is that not only do we not know the person, sort of like the poet Emily Dickinson, mm-hmm. but the poems are so far away from us because all the words aren't even there. Mm-hmm. So today, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what sign Sappho, you know, could be. So let's look at a Sappho poem and just kind of read it and see if, like, we can figure out, you know, what sign she is just by looking at the language or whatever. Um, Sappho's poems are really fragments. In a sense, it's basically what has survived of the full poem. And a fragment that I really love, it's from the Ann Carson translation called If Not Winter. Um, The fragment really what's left of the poem is this line, you burn me. Yeah. And a lot of the fragments that have been recovered have like this intensity, you know, like I desire you, mm-hmm. sort of like these I would do anything for you fragments, which makes Sappho sound like she is a fire sign, but a fire sign wouldn't write love poems all of their life to what appears to be one person, speaking as a fire sign. So mm-hmm. I actually think... <laughs> That Sappho is a Libra because she's very heady and um, the intensity is uh, sort of, it's there, but that's all we get. The great thing about Sappho is that you get to imagine what the lack is, what's not there. Mm -hmm. And I think that what's not there is this sort of intellectualizing of the desire, which I'm just assuming. Yeah, I can see your point, and I don't think you're necessarily wrong. There may be some Libra in her chart, but I'm a little bit prejudiced in that I really associate Sappho with a poet from last century um, whose name was Hilda Doolittle, or HD, HD, as she was called, and um, she was really influenced by Sappho. Her work, you know, know, was heavily influenced by she was a Virgo. And she was a Virgo. And her poetry Although some people think it's all kind of buttoned up Virgo, thinking about natural imagery like shells and flowers and looking at the beautiful plant or whatever. I see it as so sensual, like any Virgo, and so much about desire, you know, even though the desire is... And possession. Yeah, and possession and and kind of a mystical sort of like long-term devoted desire. So I'm kind of, I'm more, a lot of times when I think about Sappho, there's one image from Sappho. Um, fragments where she talks about this girl with yellow hair with violets in her lap and she just makes her so um, beautiful and just such a symbol for true love that to me is just so Virgo to be so specific about the colors and make it so 
pristine and precise. So I'm going to say I disagree with you and think that Sappho is a Virgo. I could totally see that. The constant longing is a very Virgo thing. Constant longing with very precise description. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's so Virgo. You're right. So I've convinced you. Not really. Okay. Because I still think that I... Libras, <laughs> Libras dwell on things in this way that I no other sign does. And it has to do with like the intellect. And I honestly, I could never write love poems about one person till the end of time. I'm sorry. I'm probably breaking no one's heart. But um, I just couldn't do it. I don't think a Libra could either. I don't. I don't do you th- think that you could? Do I think I could? For the right person. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think a Li- I don't think uh, maybe not. But I definitely think a Libra doesn't have that staying power. Libras, I'm sorry to say it, all the Libras out there are kind of lazy. I can't see a Libra doing a sort of Sappho action, but I can see a methodical Virgo doing some Sappho action for sure. Yeah. Well, sounds like I've convinced you. So that's a great start to this segment. Sounds like you're an Aries and you just think so, (laughs) but we'll move on. Well, it's always sad to say goodbye, but unfortunately, we're about to do so. Um, So just to let you know um, and remind you who you are talking to or actually listening to right now, this podcast is hosted by me, Dorothy Alasky. And me, Alex Dimitrov. It's produced by Becky Celestina. If you like us, subscribe and rate us on your podcast app. Or call our voicemail at 646-397-7573, and we may play your message on a future episode. We also have a book coming out called Astropodes, Your Guide to the Zodiac, and the link is in our show notes. It's out on October 29th. It's a Scorpio. Um, You can pre-order it at astropoetsbook.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at poetastrologers. For more information about Macmillan's other shows, go to macmillanpodcast.com. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N podcast.com. Anyway, um, we've enjoyed talking to you today, and we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks. We'll we'll never actually leave. We're here forever. We are creating an earworm. We've already infiltrated into your brain forever. Any fool can get into an ocean, but it takes a goddess to get out of one.